Welcome back to the Business of Show Business podcast with me, your host, Jamie Boddy. Unpacking the skills needed for the entertainment and creative industries and celebrating those already in them. I quite often get asked how I got into the world of presenting and I thought why not share someone else's experience as well. So on today's episode I'm joined by Emily Rose Adams who is a presenter and broadcast journalist and if you listen to the radio you would have heard her voice at one point or another. Let's jump into the show. On the Business of Show Business podcast today, I'm joined by Emily Rose Adams, a freelance radio and TV broadcaster and a voiceover artist. We're going to discuss what it takes to be a presenter and talk about her brand new membership site. How are you, Emily? I'm amazing. How are you, Jamie? Very well, thank you. We were just saying off air, it's weird, like our paths have crossed in the industry or randomly bumping into each other, but because of the craziness of the world, we've not seen each other in so long, but social media makes it feel like we, we know what each other's doing. I know that's the amazing thing about social media it feels like you can just keep in touch with everyone so easily and uh, yeah it's been a strange old year hasn't it? It has and again just off air we were talking about because you will dive more into your presenting career but you read a lot of news and broadcast um, on the radio mm-hmm. so at the moment you've got your letter to kind of be like you are a key worker so to speak because you obviously you've got to deliver news. I know I feel very important at the moment. (laughs) um, I think I guess delivering news at a time like this is obviously really crucial and being in radio I work for News UK they're based in London Bridge um, and it's it's the building where you've got the Times, the Sun, there's Talk Radio, Virgin Radio, Talk Sport, we're all there a massive sort of news hub which is really buzzing at the moment obviously with Covid and all the horrible news that we've had this year so although it's been a scary time, in a way, it's been quite nice to just go into the office and have a bit of normality and help deliver the news. <laughs> An interesting point there you mentioned is that like, it's that sense of normality. We're all kind of like grieving in a way because we've lost, obviously some people sadly have lost family members and loved ones, but we're grieving the fact we can't see people. We don't have routine. We don't have structure. Our habits have all changed. It's incredibly hard. I think mental health, like, we were reporting it in the news like it's there's such a strain on the mental health services right now and it's I, I just wonder how obviously yet to be seen how long this will go on for but obviously the long-term effects of this could last a while and I think you know just connecting with people online is such a huge part of staying mentally sane right now so it's really good to kind of keep in touch with people on podcasts and you know doing our zoom calls as you know technically difficult they can be at times with the internet connections and stuff it's just for me it's been really important to just like stay really connected with my close friends and uh, keep proactive you know with career stuff as well this lockdown I'm so we're recording now at the beginning of 2021 if you're listening in the future so England is still in lockdown I haven't done any quizzes this time I had to refrain I was like guys I've done too many quizzes now (laughs) yeah none of that (laughs) so let's dive back into your career where it started and there's obviously some similarities because we both started off as performers going to musical theatre colleges Um, but obviously now you work um, you've worked for some amazing companies and brands like Capital FM, Talk Radio, Virgin Radio, you've worked covered live events, award ceremonies. How did your journey into presenting come about? Well, I, I've always loved communicating. So I noticed when I was a child, even at school, when I stood up and said something, it was almost like obsessively, it had to be perfect what I was saying. And I had to get my message across And I always, I loved radio. I I just loved listening to the radio so much as a child. I really like, just couldn't wait to get in the car and switch on my favorite station. 
so even though I was doing musical theatre, I think I always had the dream of doing, you know, presenting and being a TV or radio presenter. Um, and it was kind of a natural progression for me. I, I had so many people along the way when I would get up and speak in rehearsals or something, and they'd say like, oh, you should, you should be a presenter. And I thought, you know, it's just that, that initial idea. It's how do you make that actually happen? So I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to try a course. So I booked a, a TV presenting course with um, Aspire Presenting. I did there. I think it was like a four or five day intensive course. Booked the week off work and um, just gave it a go. And I absolutely loved it. And I felt like I'd finally found my real place. I was like, wow, okay, this, this is going to work for me. And the good thing about doing one of those courses is that they give you like I know that all of the, the companies do them they kind of give you a showreel at the end which is a bit of a mock situation so you're out you know pretending you're on a job they give you scripts they film it they edit it and you have a full package to kind of go out there and start auditioning with so I kind of just got on all of the casting websites and I started applying for jobs and um, you know musical theatre it was so competitive obviously you go to an open casting and then there were 300 people there and for me I, I felt like when I had graduated from musical theatre I got some amazing castings in my first year after graduating because I think casting directors are like oh look here's all the fresh young talent let's check them out and I got some great castings great uh, recalls but I didn't get you know the first big major job that I wanted in my first year and then the second year it just got harder and the third year it got harder to get these amazing castings that I wanted so I felt like my success rate was, it was okay in musical theatre. Like I did some really great tours. I did some really fun jobs. I was a soprano. So I got like, my niche was kind of doing the kind of ingenue, female, damsel in distress role, lots of pantos and stuff. But I didn't feel like my, I wasn't getting as many castings. I wasn't getting the job as much. But when I started presenting, I felt like I was on a roll. I just kept getting even like the small jobs to start with at a low pay or like, you know, student jobs. But then that kind of built up. Um, and I just really got my confidence very quickly, which I think is luck. I think a lot of it is about finding your feet in something that really suits you. And for me, it was, I just felt like communicating, presenting, it really works. And having a background in the arts, you know, acting, performing really helps as well. Cause it's not, it's a very transferable skill. It's not that different. Um, you just have to be a bit more, I mean, musical theater, you're obviously very OTT at times on stage. You've got to really overdo it as we know. Um, which you get used to doing musical theatre. So I had to rein it in a bit. I had to kind of be a bit more natural, <laughs> less, less sort of showbiz. <laughs> That's a very interesting point, because I think, especially coming from a creative job, you've maybe got mm -hmm. some of the skills already. And the thing with presenting, some of it is this natural talent, but obviously there's a lot in regards to maybe if you've got auto cue, if you've got in-ear, do you have to script write, write um, research who you interview with? I know some people might think, oh yeah, I can be a presenter. And some people, yes, they can learn, they can grow, it fulfills that spark. But then some people try and they're like, oh, actually it's harder, harder than I, I thought. So can you kind of talk us through what a typical day is? Obviously, maybe let's take COVID out of the situation. Yeah. What a typical day is. Because although, as you was also saying, musical theatre, happy, singing, clappy, when you're reading the news, you've got to be more neutral, haven't you? You can't put emotion, yeah. in what you, even if you're reading a sad story. Oh, it's hard. Yeah, you definitely have to um, practice that for sure. I have to, I have quite a bright sound in radio. People... People say to me, I get often get messages or colleagues say like, 
you have an amazing way of delivering terrible news in a way which doesn't seem so terrible like you're quite bright with it but actually I think at times you've got to you've got to be really straight and serious I would say working in journalism is a really good tip I think there aren't many presenters out there who are trained journalists as well Um, and when I kind of started working in news I think just having an interest in news and kind of the journalism side of it has really helped my presenting because my mind is just open. I'm learning all the time. I think being a journalist, you have to pay attention to every single detail. You have to remember things. It's great for like remembering facts. You've got to remember the details. You've got to really, really know what you're talking about, especially if it's a serious subject. Uh, if it's news, you've got to you've got to 100, you know, know your topic, right? And you've got to be confident. You know these these kind of like talk radio shows. They're very serious. The listeners are like you know, intelligent people who want to learn about the world. They don't want to not have someone, they want to have someone who knows what they're talking about, basically. So I think for me, like, studying the journalism part has really helped. It's really helped me kind of get my focus, get my delivery right. Um, and I think as a presenter, like, especially when I was presenting in um, in radio on Capital and places like that, you kind of shut your mind off to news and you're, you kind of go, oh, we're in the break now. You know, it's like an ad break. You're not really listening you're just focused on the show and you kind of think, oh, I wouldn't really do news. And I think for a lot of presenters, it really opens a lot of doors if you can do both. For me, it certainly has because I'm now, you know, at News UK and I'm doing news bulletins, which for me, I actually get a lot more joy out of than I ever thought. But it means I've been able to get other opportunities as well. So it's, it's helped my presenting. My presenting, I think, is a lot better because of my now journalism kind of skills. And then also I sometimes I'll work on Chris Evans' breakfast show on Virgin, which is... Predominantly, it's, I'm covering Rachel Horn, who's the news reader, but it's also a co-presenter role. So it's kind of best of both worlds. You get to kind of read out text messages, get involved in the show, talk about personal stories, and then you get to deliver the news as well. So I feel like I've, I've kind of found a good balance there. Um, but yeah, I think just being open to other opportunities and not turning your nose up at news as a presenter is definitely a good idea. Um, as I know you've done a lot of red carpet stuff, haven't you? But having that way of thinking, instead of being a presenter and being a, a journalist presenter who can present pieces to camera and also ask all the right questions, thinking on your feet quickly when you're on the red carpet thinking, okay, who's this? Okay, that's that person. Quick, get in there. What's the best question I can ask them right now? That's a really important skill to have as a presenter, I think. 100%. For me, when I did my journalism qualification, it was even things like law. And I remember when I was doing the law part, I some listeners might not be old enough to know who this is, but there was a TV show called Ali McBill about a lawyer. And I remember being in my law lessons being like, oh, I feel like Ali McBill, defamation. And thinking, how would this play a part in entertainment? But the amount of interviews I've done where someone said something that's like, would be contempt or liable when I've had to kind of defuse it or reach out to someone because I know they need a right to reply. And as you said, I think it's when you're on a red carpet, you might have a face sheet and someone's coming down, but the person next to you from a different magazine or channel has asked the same question. So you've got to think, right, what other question can I have? Or they missed a golden nugget there. How can I pry into that more? So I think having journalism skills can really help you blossom as a presenter. Definitely. And I think a lot of a lot of performers should keep their their eye on that. I think just like being open to not just presenting. If you want to go into presenting, amazing. There are lots of opportunities, but there will be even more opportunities if you also look at being a journalist as well. 
Um, and I, I love that you hit on earlier already about the transferable skills. And I think that's so true. And we as performers, you don't sometimes think, oh, how can this three years training in music or musical theatre or acting or even if you're maybe behind the scenes trained train as a stage manager? It's like you might not think how do these skills translate out of that? I'm sure both of us, we have got jobs before we kind of established, we got jobs basically like fake it till you make it. We can pick up things. We know how to talk to people. We know how to dress well, which we learn as performers. Oh, it's so transferable. I agree. It's really, it doesn't feel like you're leaving the industry when you when you go into presenting or broadcasting. For me, I think like I get that live buzz from radio, which is almost the same as being on stage to hundreds or thousands of people. Um, I think from a young age, when I started performing as a child, doing shows, pantos, all of that stuff, I I would love the adrenaline feeling so much that it was almost like addictive. I was waiting for that next performance, waiting for the next show. And I'm sure I know, like, obviously being out of action so many performances this year, you really miss that once you get used to getting that kind of, it's an adrenaline rush. It's almost like being like an adrenaline junkie, but it's just in a different form. Obviously not throwing yourself in some dangerous situation, but it's that kind of rush that you get. And I, I would say d- doing any kind of live broadcasting for me, live radio, live TV or whatever, it, you get that exact rush that you would get the adrenaline, um, which so, yeah, it doesn't feel like you're leaving the industry. It feels like you're still there. I still I, I guess I'm in denial at times. I think, you know, I still do singing lessons sometimes. I still sing. You know, I always think I'm not going to close that door 100 percent. I You know, if a, a singing opportunity came up or like a corporate girl group or you know for things like that I have done the odd bit bits and bobs here and there but it's actually really fulfilling like doing anything live broadcasting you get that buzz that you you would have always got on stage as well I love that because that's literally how I describe it when someone asks like I remember when I did my first press event and it, what was it it was like a some kind of like a tough mudder type event and there was some press there and I was doing some like vox pops and I remember being like had exactly the same buzz as I had performing on live tv when I like back in dance on the voice or something and I thought this is something like how can I mm. replicate this feeling how can I make this happen more so I absolutely love so much that you said that as well again we as performers you might get applauded every time you're on stage but unless you're in a long running show that kind of peaks and lows and obviously some people that's enough they want to keep hustling for it they're building their career but I think if you do have something else that sparks your passions it's okay to explore that at any point in your career whether you in COVID now and you've set up a side hustle or you're 15 years into your career and you want six months off to explore another passion. Yeah definitely I would say that the most the, the hardest thing about it might be, if you're not used to this, is being yourself. That was the strangest thing for me. But actually, I felt, mu- I realized I'm actually much better at being myself. And I think that's when it all clicked for me that this is what I should be doing because I'm still performing, really. I'm still live. I'm still, you know, presenting something. I'm just being myself. And I think, I don't think I was a brilliant actor, to be honest. I think I, I used to feel like a bit awkward being someone else. For other people, that's, you know, that's where your your skills are and it comes naturally. And I always used to be envious of these people who could just act so naturally. You know, they cry in acting classes. They were, they were so passionate. It was so natural. For me, it wasn't. So I think, um, yeah, for me, that was that was a positive shift for me. But I know other people who have done the same thing where they've they've started presenting and they've said like, oh, I feel really exposed being myself and not being someone else. So that might be like a, a possible thing that people find difficult when you make that transition. I love that. I've never thought of it like that. For me, 
if I'm doing like a theatre red carpet or like the Olivier's, quite often if I interview a performer, they actually find it quite hard to be themselves mm-hmm. and answer the questions authentically. Because not everyone, don't get me wrong, but there are some performers, it's almost, it's more exposing. You don't have that, that fourth wall, do you, that you have oh, in the yeah. show? Exactly. And especially in radio. So I did lots of breakfast shows. I did more radio for a while. I moved to Capital. And that was, I was co-presenter. And it's almost like the stuff you do on, I do on Virgin now when I cover on Chris Evans' show. It's personality-led stories, right? That That's what is interesting. So you have to be an interesting person. You have to be busy. You have to be doing things, you know. And, and for me, it was quite tricky because when I took these jobs, more radio and, and capital, I moved away from London. So I I made quite a big sacrifice because I realized, look, to get a good job in London, sometimes you have to, in radio, move to the regions or even TV, you know, TV reporters. Lots of people will go and work for like ITV in the Midlands or in, you know, if, if they want to be based in London, there's plenty of people who can get good work outside of London. But if you eventually want to come to London to work, I think you have to sometimes do a bit of time in the region. So my life wasn't interesting. I literally moved to Sussex on my own. I had no friends there and I was getting up at 4.30 in the morning. So I couldn't exactly go out at night and do stuff, but I still had to come up with amazing content in the radio, stories that have happened, you know, things that you've been out and done. Um, so I would come to London on the weekends and I met my boyfriend around that time when I got this first job and we, I was like, right, I need content. <laughs> I need good stories. So we're going out, we're having fun. And we were laughing because we'd go on loads of holidays and stuff. And we were saying, it's just content for the radio. That's all it is. We're not really just here enjoying ourselves and having fun. Um, so yeah, I feel like that was a big thing for me. Like I really had to go into exposing yourself. It's like, okay, now I have to be really entertaining as well. That kind of co-presenter radio role really involves a lot of personality-led content. And some people that comes really naturally to you. I think I've met a few people along the way who are presenters who are also, they've done like stand-up comedy and they are amazing at it because no matter what, they can just think and come up with a funny line, you know, laugh at themselves, laughing at yourself is always good in that position. Um, So yeah, I think doing like radio, you have to be very confident with kind of just sharing stories of your own and coming up with remembering funny things that have happened to you and kind of turning it into a a story that the listeners will want to hear. Emily was a delight to interview for this podcast. Later on in the episode, she talks about her new membership site for presenters. So whether you are a budding presenter or you're already established in the industry, it's a fantastic resource. If you're enjoying the episode, head over to Apple Podcasts as soon as it ends to leave your review. Now let's get back on with the show. That's very probably um, eye-opening for listeners, someone thinking they want to get into presenting. Like, don't get me wrong, there is that the Hollywood aspect of you could be dressed up in a beautiful ball gown or a suit talking to celebs at an awards ceremony or a film premiere. But there's also that it is work at the end of the day and you have to, like you said, you're doing outside of your work hours, you're still technically doing a little bit of work because you're researching, you're finding stories, you're oh, honing yeah. your skills. Definitely. You're never, I think if you're a host of any kind of show, you feel like you're never... St- you're never not working. You're always thinking of content, which is a lot of pressure. You know, you're listening. If you work in commercial radio, you'll be listening to the song and you've got two minutes left and you can plan. You know, the planning is always the best thing to do. If you don't plan, things go wrong quite frequently. But if you're a co-host, you can't always plan everything, right? Because there's two of you and you've got to bounce off each other. So a lot of it will just be a natural back and forward. But you you see the, the, the songs counting down. You're like, right, one minute left. Have we got this? Have we got this? So just having like some good content to hand is always, always really important. And also like, I guess in commercial radio, if it's music, 
um, just having like lots of music passion, like knowing all the artists on the playlist has always been really helpful. So following them all on social media. So you can be like, oh my God, like Dua Lipa, she just did this this week. Or like, you know, following the awards ceremonies, the after parties, just like being across it entertainment wise is, and again, that's, that's really like journalism, isn't it? I guess like knowing your story, knowing your audience. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun job. It's a lot about thinking on your feet. When it's a smaller radio station, you like, from my experience, small radio, if it's a smaller station, you'll run the desk as well. So you will set the playlist, mm-hmm. cue the songs. If you've got a newsreader, you'll cue them in, or you might read the bulletins yourself. So obviously you've done that experience as well, which again is a Harvard skill set. But then on the bigger yeah. shows, what, what would that be like? So when you had your show on Capital, would you have to kind of run the desk as well? Or would you have a producer in there? Um, so we had... There were three of us. So there were me, co-presenter Jono, and then we had a producer as well. Um, But traditionally, it's quite often that the male anchor will will drive the desk, the male presenter. Just for timings, when you're co-presenting, when there's two of you, you just want it to be really sharp. Like, I I think a producer is very helpful, but for us, it just, I think it just was better if one of us was doing it. And I I also, we took it in turns every now and again. So I was like, I was quite happy not driving the desk to be honest. Some people really want to do it. They want to be in control (laughs) of it and they want to be like, right, I've got this. But for me, I was quite happy just sort of sitting back a bit and thinking about the content and kind of letting that happen. Um, But I think it just depends. Producers in, in kind of the talk shows that I've worked on, it's always the producers like manning the desks and whatever. And I think um, for some people that that just lets you focus on just purely what you're thinking and talking about rather than the technicals. Some people are really good at it, natural. Other people are scared by it. So it's very much dependent on kind of what you want. But yeah, smaller station, you you just have to do it. You have to learn the desk and it takes a while to get used to it. I think you need a lot of practice runs and sometimes things will go wrong. And as long as you can laugh about it and not get nervous and seize up, you just be like, oh, sausage fingers. Sorry about that. Like, you know, just kind of laugh at yourself that's the main thing really I remember thinking you thought you timed it right that the song finished just like 30 seconds before the hour so the news could kick in and you've like mistimed it and you're like oh god there's going to be like seven seconds of dead air like what can I quickly say in that and happen to try and t- it is such a skill it is a real skill talking to time was the bane of my life some days like and, and we'd always crack up because I had I did have a job where so at Capital, we would switch to the network. So we were local, we were Capital South Coast, and they they would have, you know, Capital Birmingham, Capital Wales, all different kind of local stations. But at 10, once we finished breakfast, we would switch to the network all at the same time. So all of these Capital local stations would switch to London, and then London would take over for the off-peak hours. And I would have to talk to time for that switchover. And every day it would get me. Like I was scared every day for a year being like, oh, how do I do this? And you talk and then you just say something really random at the end if you if you had that like gap. So even, you know, and I hear it still in the radio now. I'm, I can hear when people are doing it and it... It just, you get used to doing it and you you get more natural but there are still times the odd day maybe once a week where you'll do it and think that didn't sound great um so <laughs> I feel like you're always learning and it is funny what comes out under pressure when you're doing something live sometimes you just speak and you're like did I just say that okay we'll, we'll roll with that no worries <laughs> <laughs> so, as a presenter again it's different from performing because sometimes 
more so maybe for musical theatre or a dancer, you'll go in a room with several, I say several, like 50 other people, um, yeah. where acting, you may go in one-on-one or for casting. Presenting, it's a different ball game, isn't it? Because sometimes it may be just from your audio or your showreel, or you know the other people going for the role because there's only like five people in the mix. Whereas a cre- as a creative, you often, if you don't get the job, sometimes you don't know why because there's just so many people. But as a presenter, yeah. sometimes you're like, well, I know that was between me and two other people. They obviously got yeah. it. Yeah, I know, I know. But I think, I think with presenting, I just think you can't take these things personally if you don't get it. Um, I just think you, f- you just fit fit jobs you know I think they want a person that's the thing when you're being a presenter you're you're being yourself and quite often they'll have a specific person in mind and if you fit that then you know I just I just try and not think about it really if there's other people there I think when I was when I was interviewing for Capital I was doing a very similar breakfast show in a similar region so I was in Sussex and this was in Hampshire so it was it was kind of next door counties and similar content so I think I just fit that and and I kind of I came off air with the breakfast show and then I went to their studio and went and did a, a sort of demo with the with the other presenter and I think I just fit the bill and it was very similar to what I was always already doing so I think you'll just find jobs occasionally where you're like this really is me like you'll see the breakdown and you just know that you're you've got yeah. you stand a good chance and other stuff where you think uh, you know I'll give this a go like corporate jobs sometimes like businessy stuff it's quite hard to switch roles you know when you're not being an actor you 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 may you may want to focus more on a niche and a lot of presenters do well when they've got a kind of and they're an expert in something like at the moment um tech experts are doing really well on yeah. you know BBC programs and Sky and shopping channels you know tech products or AI experts and things that are kind of I think that's a good way to go. Finding a niche, something that you're, or property, for instance. I know a few people working in the property world and they do like property TV shows and travel shows and things like that. So yeah, I think having a niche always helps because you you feel like you stand a bit more of a chance when you do get in the room, hopefully. (laughs) No, you have literally just gone on to my next question. I'm like, yes, Ah. this interview is fun in itself. I love that. Um, And it was just (laughs) tackling on like how... So you may have your um, Derma O'Leary's, your Davina's, your more broad spectrum presenters that kind of do everything. But nowadays Mm. with the work that's going and the competition, it is sometimes better to have a niche, like you said, and be an expert where some people might think, especially uh, creatives, I think I just want to do entertainment. But actually entertainment can encompass the royals now. I think sometimes if you have a specialty, so do you want to kind of dive a bit more into that maybe about if you are an expert who's listening or you have a niche, like there might be less work, but then you'll be the expert on it. It could be better paid and you'll be the go-to. Definitely. Like on Talk Radio and I know other stations like LBC, they have correspondents who come on, you know, as as an expert. So we have loads of royal correspondents who come on Talk Radio frequently. And anytime there's a royal story, the producers have a list of experts and they'll call them up and say, can you come on at, you know, 20 past 12 and talk for 10 minutes about this story? And that's just a good way of kind of boosting your your kind of name and your your expertise and getting good content for other work. So I would say, yeah, if you if you do have something that you feel you're an expert in, contact some of these TV and radio shows, Good Morning Britain, you know, this morning like they they frequently need like almost like panelists I guess you would say 
um, people who are experts. And as long as you really know your stuff, obviously you don't want to say you're an expert in something if you're not, because <laughs> that would be very embarrassing on live TV or radio. But um, yeah, like get in touch with producers and say like, oh, I'd love to come on and chat about this if you ever need to, or pro- if there's ever a property story, here's what I do, this is what I know. Um, and, and that kind of just just helps you boost other work and then people see you and hear you and they contact you for other other things so I think finding a niche is definitely a good idea in this day and age and tech is definitely the way forward um where things are going so yeah I'm I'm yet to find I think for me like news is something I've become really passionate about so I'm very happy kind of doing news work as well as entertainment stuff so for me, that's almost my niche. But maybe I should find another one. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's very interesting because, as you said earlier, like corporate presenting is so different. I remember once I presented like at some form of national dentistry awards, and <laughs> they gave me the script the morning of. Even though I always say with clients, I want the script at least a week in advance, even yeah. though there might be changes. I just want to familiarize myself the morning of, stressing out the name. Like it wasn't just UK dentists; it was dentists from all over the world. So there was like oh. names in like Russian, um, Spanish, um, Indian. And, oh God, I can't pronounce them. And I remember that being so stressful. Yes. Some people love corporate. It's very different, isn't it? I know. It's it's a lot to do with, again, being prepared and and kind of names are always a nightmare. Is it same in radio? You know, when you get a name that you think, oh no, how am I going to say this? But you've got time <laughs> to prepare and write down. I always write down how it sounds so I can mm. kind of say it properly but I had this exact same experience doing a corporate job it was the Asian Banking Awards and it was about an hour before they changed most of the scripts the names the awards and I was it was all over the place and I was really ad-libbing most of it and I felt like I, pre- I presented most of the names wrong which was embarrassing but at the end of the day it's up to the production team to help you out I think it's a lot about like working with good people as well who've got your back Completely. which is why actually doing live tv and radio is quite good because you have like your in-ear and you you have someone in your ear supporting you, talking to you. And I think TV people are amazing because they learn how to multitask on another level. Yeah, so on Talk Radio recently, we had Richard from Richard and Judy who um, came on to do radio. And the producers were saying how cool it was to like work with him because they can just speak at him in his ear and he doesn't bat an eyelid because some presenters and radio when you've got a producer in your ear if you're not used to that it's really distracting and it could kind of throw you out for a minute and you're kind of like thinking what they're telling me sorry I'm talking at the same time and you're listening to someone you're interviewing whereas this guy Richard he was like obviously so um so experienced that like they could just talk to him the whole time and he was just so natural with it so that's really fun like having some a kind of production team when you get to that next level of moving away from like community radio or a smaller radio station and you have like a production team like working on Chris Evans show there are like 10 producers supporting you you know coming in with printed off things and and things that you just would never experience in a smaller smaller job or smaller station and that really like that really changes the standard the level because you just have so many resources around you but yeah, being thrown into an award ceremony last minute with not not much instruction is really hard. And that's like really thinking on your feet and improvising. Just off the back of that, again, as a performer, you will go to a dance class, you'll go to a singing lesson, you have to hone your trade. The same as a presenter, because like auto cue in here, like if you're on a job, like it's OK to go and find the, the teleprompter or the auto cue person the person in charge of that to say what speed you want it on or in here as you said I remember when was it 20 would have been 2019 
COVID is literally blanked by calendar. Yeah, 2019, <laughs> I did a job um, for an American company called Monster Jam. It was completely out of my comfort zone because it was monster trucks. You know, like those big trucks that crush Oh, cars. wow, yeah. And it was at Manchester Arena. So it was like 10,000 people. And we would have an in-ear and they'd be like, right, okay, you'd be interviewing someone. And they're like, right, Jamie, you're going to face the half point camera in five, four, three, two, one competition link. And it's a fraternity. And we're like, we've also got a competition. Like, so yeah. having an in-ear, as you said, it, that's not for everyone. It's such a unique skill set, I think. Yeah, I know. I think you just get used to it the more you do it. It is quite, you just have to learn to like not pull a strange face while someone's talking <laughs> to you. <laughs> and also like, just, I guess, just try and relax and feel like they're actually there to support you. Um, it is a lot about multitasking. I, I've heard that people, I haven't done like a massive, I would love to do a massive live TV show like this morning or something, but I hear a lot of those presenters, they actually sometimes end up with not just the producers, like runners and stuff in their ears. And they, some of them like, they like to know everything that's happening. So you'll be speaking and they'll be bringing a guest in from who's not on for another 20 minutes and they'll be speaking to each other and they can hear all of that sometimes. So I, I think you ha- you can have a level of control as to what you want to hear, but um, auto cue for me is amazing. It's a lifesaver because I'm not the best at learning lines. I've got a bad memory. So for me, it takes a lot of stress off and I'm like, I love auto cue. It's the <laughs> best. It's just, you feel like you you can just, as long as you can read okay and they go at your speed, it can really help you take your mind off. What am I actually going to say? Because that's that's quite a hard, you know, hard bit about learning lines. It depends how good you are at learning them, I guess. But for me, that works. So let's talk more about your membership site now, which is brand new and it's helping other presenters learn a bit more about the trade and also where they can find jobs. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes. So I thought I would use the lockdown extra time productively. And I've always kind of wanted to have a business. And, you know, as a presenter, I've, when I was starting at the beginning, you know, you just feel like you need a lot of support and you don't know where to start a lot of the time. And there are a few casting websites out there, most of which they focus on acting, dancing as well. And the presenter section is usually it's okay, but they don't really get as many jobs as you would want. So I was thinking this year, like, oh, it would be great to have a website, which is so useful for presenters, whether you're starting, whether you've already been doing it a long time. Um, So Presenter Jobs is basically, it's a platform where you can um, apply for jobs. So it is a casting website. At the moment, there's like 24 different jobs on there from like TV reporting to social media projects. There's one which is like a a presenter for a pet company. So if you love dogs, you can present for their social media platforms and hug dogs at the same time. Um, there's like, yeah, so it's basically a jobs board. And then it's got a, a industry contacts book, which I've put together, which is like a, almost like a directory book, but it's kind of our like industry handbook, I guess, of, of, of contact details. So there's showreel companies, agents in there. Um, there's t- TV um, presenter training companies. And then there's media like radio and TV contact details as well. So there's contact details of producers and employers from different radio stations, TV production companies. So I thought like, there's nothing really like that around. Um, and it's a really good book to kind of just flick through and see like, right, I'm ready to get my show roll out there. There's hundreds of production companies you can contact and just let them know about you. Cause that's a real big part of it. And I know, you know, a lot about networking with your work, but um, I think a lot of presenters wouldn't even think to do that. So 
for, for me, I thought that would be really, really useful for people just to have a place where you can kind of look through it and send your send your show roll out to different people and get on their radar. Oh, that's such a big part of it. And then at the bottom of our membership thing, there's like a um, videos from media experts like yourself. You've come on to do a video for us. Um, just little like five to 10 minute videos of different topics. So we've done networking so far. We've done tips on how to make presenting your full-time job. I did one recently about how to get paid work in radio because I know a lot of people start in community stations or local radio stations. They want to make that step. So I did a video about that. We've got loads more experts on the way. So it's basically just a whole toolkit for presenters. Find work, find industry contacts and learn how to network all in one place. And it's £6.99 a month and um, it's really exciting. It's had a great response so far. It's been live for a few weeks and we've got lots of presenters signing up, lots of jobs going on there. So um, I'm hoping really we're going to make life a lot easier for presenters because at the moment, I just I just didn't feel like there was anything out there that was offering that kind of level of support. So, yeah, it's really exciting. I'm very excited about it. No, it's a great resource. But at the very end of the episode, obviously, I'll get you to give um, those the details of it all. Two last questions, mm-hmm. and then I will let you go. Um, so yes. Who, who or what inspires you? So it could be a person, a book. Is there any anyone or anything that's kind of inspired you along um, your journey? I would say... At the moment, I was I I think what's inspiring me right now is actually like seeing all the talent out there. So for presenter jobs, we've got some really great presenters who have signed up who are working on Sky, on Kiss FM. We've got people who are brand new and they've got a fresh showreel that they're really excited about. And just seeing them applying for jobs and you know they're really eager for work they're messaging us they're emailing us about like how can I improve my showreel? Just seeing their ambition and kind of like their drive is inspiring me to go and find work for them so right now I'm really driven up thinking right how many more jobs can I get on today my aim is to get at least a few exciting jobs on there every day at the moment so I feel like just bouncing off their ambition at the moment I'm feeling really inspired to kind of improve improve the platform and make it as good as it can be for other people I love that and are there any quotes or mantras that you use daily or you've used in a tough time at all well, actually, funny you should say this. So when I launched Presenter Jobs, I found a quote and it was, it's, I actually could, don't, I can't remember the name of the guy. It's, it was a basketball player. And he said, you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. So obviously in basketball, that's, if you don't shoot it, you miss it. You, you won't ever get the opportunity. But so I, I'm using that quote on our website because <clears throat> it's the same. I think the, the reason for the networking book is like, it's there, use it. You know, like if you don't use it, you won't get, get there. You won't, you know, if you don't, you know all about this with networking and stuff. It's like so much about putting yourself out there. If you're subscribed to a membership like our one, um, you know, the jobs are there. It's all down to you now to do the other hard work. And I think some people forget that, you know, so much of it is about how much effort you put in. So if you don't go and grab those opportunities, they're not going to come to you. So I think for me, like what really helped me when I started presenting was just dedicating at least two hours a day, really, to like just sat, being sat on my laptop, coming up with great emails about what was good about me, telling agents, you know, this is why you should have me on your books. This is how I'm going to make you money. Just being like thinking in a business, having a business mindset about yourself and selling yourself and taking every opportunity that you can find really I think that that's that's been my kind of advice along the way for other people 
Absolutely love that. So where can people find you personally online and also your new uh, Presenter Jobs uh, membership site? Yes, so I'm at Emily Rose Adams um, on Twitter and Instagram um, and Presenter Jobs is at Presenter Jobs really and it's presenterjobs.co.uk is the website Um, and it's got loads of information on the homepage there's a sign up page where it has FAQs about um, having membership with us. And if you follow us on social media, we're always posting loads of jobs. So every day when a job comes in, we'll put a little post out on Instagram and Twitter and stuff. So for people who haven't signed up yet, like they can keep up to date with, with what we're putting out there. And then when they see a job that they like the look of, then they'll sign up. So um, yeah, check us out. Fab. I'll make sure to put all of that in the show notes so people can click through. If you've enjoyed the episode, go give Emily a follow. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And thank you so much for your time, Emily. Thank you so much, Jamie. Thank you, Emily, for taking the time out of your schedule to be a guest on the podcast. As I mentioned earlier on, her social media handles are in the show notes. So go and give her a follow and check out her membership website. Thank you so much for listening. Head over, leave your review on Apple Podcasts, and I'll be back next week.